Good morning, everyone. And so today is the last day in our series on one word, uh, but we introduce a new series today. So they're, they're overlapping each other. So let me just say this as we come to the end of this series, talking about one word. We said right from the start we need to scrap our New Year's resolutions because, frankly, uh, they just don't work for the vast majority of people. But what we said instead was rather than trying to focus on three or four or five things, focus on one thing. In fact, we said that if you prayed and asked God, God would give you a word, a word that would be a constant reminder of the transformation and the change that needed to take place in your life. We said that God would give you that word, and for many of you, uh, God has given you a word. Many of you have reported to me what that word is, and I'm going to say that uh, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what God is doing in the hearts of everyone. We're all different. We've all got different needs. We were all at different places in our spiritual growth and our development. And so uh, we all have our own, uh, our own special need and a special need to hear from God. So God has spoken to a number of you. I've had some people say that their word is obedience. Another one said uh, consistency. Another one said uh, health, uh, and I'm one of them. It said health. Another one said balance. Uh, lots of great words. By far, the, the most popular is the word discipline or self-discipline. And I'm going to say this to you today. God wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to do a special work in your life. We said that not only will God give you a word, but that he gives his Holy Spirit to quicken you and enable you because, frankly, we can't do it on our own. Now, here's what you need to know. You need to know that God helps us in, in several different ways. First of all, he, he gives us the word. Uh, he gives us his Holy Spirit who helps us and strengthens us. But even more exciting than that is that he has given us a family to belong to, a group of people where we find strength and whom we offer strength. And I want to ask you the question today. Have you come to the place in your life yet where you recognize your need for other people? Many of us are lone rangers. We like to do, it, do things on our own. We don't want to rely on other people. We just want to make it on our own. But here's what you need to know. You need help. You can't do it on your own. In fact, I know that some of you are thinking of that. Pastor, if you knew what I had to go through, I just can't make it on my own. And I would say, exactly, you can't make it on your own. But together, we can make it. Now, that sounds like a platitude. You've heard it before. Uh, it, I'm sure there's, a, there's some advertisement that has that, that as their tagline, together we can make it. The fact of the matter is, uh, as trite as it sounds, it's absolutely correct. Together we can make it. And that is really what the... What the New Testament is all about is about how people persevere. We talked about that last week. How people are able to make it in their Christian walk. And some people, you know, they say, Pastor, I pray, and it seems like God's not answering my prayers. And I'm going to say this to you. God always answers prayers. He just doesn't answer it the way maybe you expect him to answer it. I've heard people say to me, you know, I prayed, and I said, God changed me, and God didn't change me. And, and my, my response is, yeah, but are you listening to what God is saying? You're telling God what you want, but are you listening to, listening to God to hear what he wants? 
Now, here's what you need to understand. We are not just part of a religion here, folks. We're part of a relationship with Almighty God where he speaks to us even as we speak to him. The question is this. Are you listening to him? Are you listening to what he wants you to do? Well, I'm going to tell you this morning that God has a word for you. Remember, I promised you every time you come to church, God will have a word for you. And the word that God has for you today is this. You need to belong to a small group because you can't make it on your own. We see it all through the New Testament, and we even see it in the Old Testament. Listen to this in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting at verse 9. It says, two people are better off than one. Did you hear that? Two people are better off than one. For they can help each other succeed. We're better off together. If one person fails or falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And some of you here today, you have fallen, and you've fallen all alone, and you have been in real trouble, or you are in real trouble, because you've tried to make it on your own. Can I tell you this today? There's no need for you to face your troubles, your difficulties, your struggles on your own. It's not God's will, it's not God's plan, it's not necessary. So you say, well, what's the answer? Well, listen to this. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? So here's what you and I need to understand. God's plan for us is to not face life alone. It's not to do life on our own. It's not to to muddle through the struggles or the problems that we face. And the fact of the matter is, is that we all do face problems. Everybody in this room today faces problems, faces struggles, has difficulties, things that maybe they're embarrassed about, things they don't want to maybe share. They'd be, (coughs) excuse me, they'd be mortified if if someone stood up and and told the truth about, about you. Well, folks, listen, here's what you need to know. You need to understand that the church, according to God's plan, is supposed to be a a safe place. It's not a place where gossip makes the rounds. It's not a place where people talk about you behind your back, but rather it's a place where we pray for each other and strengthen each other. And that's what I, as your pastor, have tried to nurture and promote in this church all these years. One of the things I love about our church is that it's not a gossiping church. It's not a church where people condemn or judge or talk about you, but we're a place where you are loved, embraced, and prayed for. This is God's will. This is God's plan for the church. And it's his plan for your life. Now look at this next verse, Ephesians 4.12, or Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. A lot of you have been attacked and you have been defeated because you've been trying to do it alone. You've been trying to face your marriage problems alone. You've got problems with your kids. You've been trying to do that alone. You've got problems with your finances. You've been, you've been facing it alone. Or, or maybe more accurately, you have not been facing it at all. You've put your head in the sand and just hoped that the bills will go away and your problems will go away. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But look at this. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Cool, eh? You can be more than victorious if you do it together. If you stand back to back 
shoulder to shoulder, whatever the case may be. And look at this. Three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Now, I looked into the, uh, into, this is going to sound funny, but I looked into rope technology, cord technology, and here's what they say. They say that a triple braided cord, a triple corded, uh, a, a triple braided uh, rope is the strongest of all. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart because here's what's been happening. You've been trying to make it on your own and, and you know, the cord's been snapping and you just feel like you're getting it together and snap, it falls apart. But the wisdom of Ecclesiastes is that, admit it, you can't make it on your own. You need help. And really, that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to talk to you about what we all need to understand and we all need to confess or admit. We all need to acknowledge or recognize this. And it's this, two things. First of all, I need help. And secondly, I need to help. Two critical phrases, two of the most important statements you may ever make. I need help, and I need to help. If anybody is familiar with AA, you know that that is, that's the starting point to this very successful program, which has got something like 97,000 or 98,000 chapters around the world. Why has it been successful? Because the very first thing they teach their members to do is say, I need help. Now, can I just remind everybody that the founders of AA were, in fact, Christian ministers. They understood that principle of admitting a need for help. And as you stay in the program longer, you discover that not only do you confess that you need help, but you also must say, I, I need to help. I need to help you. And so here's what I'd like everybody to do with me today. I'd like you to say something that may be very hard for you to say. You may choke on these words, but you need to try to say it, okay? And here we go. Ready, ready to say it with me? You're going to say, I need help. But uh, there's going to be a little bit of a, a hitch to this. I'd like you to turn to the person beside you and say it. Are you ready? Are you ready to say it? This is hard to do, I know, especially for men. Men are going to go, no, 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 no. But uh, men, I want you to steal yourselves. Ready? Are you ready to do it? Okay, here we're going to do it. Say it to the person beside you. I need help. Well, was that hard to do? It was tough, yeah. Yeah, some men passed out in the back there. Oh, was, men don't ask for help, right? We'd rather drive around the city for three hours than just uh, find out what's the right road. Yeah. Okay, here's something else that we need to do, and, and this goes against our very selfish nature. So the first phrase goes against our very proud nature. To say, I need help, I'm not admitting that. Nobody needs to know that. I'm, gonna, I'm John Wayne. I will always be strong and powerful and mighty. But here's the thing that now uh, makes it difficult for us to say this. We, we are self-centered by nature, so we don't really want to help either. We don't want to admit we need help, and we don't want to admit that we need to help. So here we go. We need, to, we need to get ready to say this. Everybody say to the person beside you, I need to help you. Go ahead and say it. <laughs> now, was that hard to do? That wasn't that difficult, was it? Okay, tension class. Okay, so you understand then that because of our pride, we don't want to say I need help. And because of our selfishness, we don't want to say, I need to help you. Understand that the body of Christ, the church, is a group of people 
who now are not walking in arrogance and pride, but we're walking in humility. And we're, we're the first ones to admit, hey, I need help. And because of what Jesus has done for us, we're prepared to sign up to help. And so we'll say, I need to help you. So now stop for a moment think of the word that God has given you. The reason God has given you that word is because it's an area in your life that needs special attention. It's an area in your life where you're, you're, you're weak. You're not where you need to be. For me, and I told you this the last few weeks, the word is health. As soon as I came up with this idea through a book that I read, I knew instantly what my word was, health. I need to spend some attention on that. I need to spend some time working on it to strengthen myself. And even as I'm talking about my need to strengthen my health, I'm coughing. Ironic, isn't it? But here's the thing, folks. You really need to understand this. We can't make it on our own. We need to admit we need help. And so, you know, since I admitted to you two weeks ago that my word was health, I need help in that area, I've had a number of people speak to me about what they could do to help me in my area of need. Now, look at this. I'm the pastor of this church. I've been in the ministry for 30 years, and I'm going to be the first one to admit I need help. Now, if I can admit that I need help, so can you. In fact, you need to, you need to get in the habit of saying that. And if you were so good at keeping it all together and being so perfect, well, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't even need to be here. You certainly wouldn't need to make resolutions. But the fact is, is that you are here, and you have made a commitment to do something special or change things in your life. So here's what I'm going to tell you today. Um, I don't have any great gimmicks to help you overcome. There's no hypnosis. After the service, I'm not going to be waving a, a wrist, or a, not a wristwatch, but a, a watch in front of your face to sort of hypnotize you and help you get it right. No gimmicks like that. And, and guess what else I'm not going to do? I'm not going to have you come forward and I'm going to wave my magic wand over you and make you better. How many understand that the work that God does in our hearts and in our lives this certainly is by, by the power of his Holy Spirit, but, but you, we always forget the other part of it, and that is our cooperation with God. So here's what you need to do. That word that God has given you that to guide your life, whether it's discipline or obedience or health or balance or whatever it is, I want you to write that word out and put it somewhere prominently, maybe in the dash of your car, on the bathroom mirror, uh, put it in your office, put it on your fridge, whatever. It's a constant reminder of what it is that God wants to do in your life. The second thing that you need to do is you need to start praying. Every morning, every day, every opportunity that you have, pray along the line of whatever your word is. Say, God, uh, with me, in my case, I would say, Lord, help me with my help. Help me make right decisions. Help me to eat properly. Help me to get the right exercise. Uh, whatever the case may, may be. I want to be emotionally healthy. I want to be spiritually healthy. I want to be physically healthy. Whatever the case may be. But I'm going to be praying about that every day, focusing on that one thing. And the third thing now, which is, which is what we're talking about primarily this morning, is that you need to tell your small group, hey, guys, I need help. Here's my word. Here's what I'm working on in my life right now. 
Can you help me with this? And here's what you're going to discover. You're going to discover there's a whole group of people who are more than happy to sign up to help you with whatever it is that you're struggling with, whatever it is that you're dealing with. Watch the creative ways that your group will help you. Now, the question is this morning is, um, why do we not want to be in a small group? Why do we not want to get together with other believers? And I'll tell you, there's only one real good reason. Uh, Aside from laziness, there's only one good reason, and that's fear. You're afraid to be with other people, and you're afraid to be vulnerable. You're afraid to, to let people know who you are. You do like to, you like to have people have this image of you and like to preserve that. You, you don't want to take the risk of people seeing that maybe you're not as strong or as brilliant or as, as spiritual as you think you are, as, you, as they think you are. We'd rather be a loner. We'd rather just you know, do it on our own, make it on our own. That's the thing with the Duncast. My whole family's kind of like that. We just kind of loners and... Don't want to let anybody in too close. We don't want to let people know who we really are, what we're really like. We don't want to let anybody know what our struggles are. But I can tell you this. Whether it's your family trait or not, you belong to a new family. It's called the family of God. And in this family of God, this is the place where you have, not only do you have permission to be vulnerable, but it works best if you are vulnerable. Well, pastor, I don't know if I can be vulnerable. What if I'm rejected? What if people make fun of me? What would happen if I looked weak or stupid? And what happens if I don't measure up? Well, let me reverse that. What if someone came to you and was vulnerable? Would you say that they were stupid? Would you, would you reject them? Would you uh, tell them that they weren't measuring up? Of course you wouldn't. You would embrace them. You would love them. You'd want to help them. Well, guess what, folks? It's, it goes both ways. And so what you and I need to understand is that we need to learn how to trust the people in our life. And I'm going to tell you this. A small group is a great way and a great place for you to learn how to be vulnerable, how to open your heart up. I'm going to tell you this. As soon as you learn to be vulnerable, as soon as you let go of the secrets in your life, that's when you start to become whole. That's when you start to experience healing and wholeness in your life. When I was growing up, my grandmother um, taught us that we should never give out any information. I never knew what she was really talking about, but she always just say, we'd be getting together with, with her brothers or sisters or cousins or whatever, and before, we, before they arrived, she would say this to us. She'd say, whatever you do, don't go, give out any information. Grandma, are you, is this the KGB? What is this? Whatever, don't tell them anything. I said, well, what exactly are you talking about? Well, don't talk about anything. Don't tell, say anything about the family. Don't say anything about, about anything. So we would, we would meet together, and obviously our cousins had been coached the same way by grandma's sisters and brothers. Obviously, it's a family thing. And so we would just meet up with each other and kind of stare at each other, not knowing what to say. It's like, hello, hello. we got this major paranoia thing happening here. And guess what? We never did get close to that side of the family. Why? Because the cardinal rule is this. Don't become vulnerable. I'm going to tell you something right now. Many of you are very lonely. 
very lonely. You're, you're lonely in your life because you refuse to become vulnerable. You're f- afraid to let people see who you really are. You're afraid to let people see your weakness. Well, the Bible says this about being a loner. The Bible says it's not wise to be a loner. In fact, the Bible says that the community, coming together and being a family, that fellowship is actually God's idea and that only fools neglect the family. Now, I didn't, I mean, you didn't come to church this morning to have me say to you, you are a fool. But the Bible says that to you. If you're not opening your heart up, if you're not in fellowship with other believers. Listen to this. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 says this. He who stays away from others cares only about himself. He argues against all good wisdom. Now, I have no intentions this morning of arguing with anybody about being in a small group where you can be strengthened, where you can be helped, and where you can help others. Because here's what I discovered. It's impossible to argue with a self-centered person. A self-centered person has got themselves dug in deep in their own ideas, their own opinions, their own version of what life should be, And uh, the Bible says, he who stays away from others cares only about himself. Now look at this. By definition, a Christian, a follower of Christ, by definition, has to be in relationship to other people. Why? Because the second great commandment is love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's impossible to fulfill that command if you're not in relationship with other people, particularly your brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, submitting yourself to a group of people who care about you may be the most revolutionary thing that you have ever done or will ever do. But I can tell you this, and this is a money-back guarantee. You can come to me and say, Pastor, pay, you got to pay me back because it didn't work. I'm going to tell you, it's a money-back guarantee. If you will enter into relationship with other believers in the context of a small group, I can promise you it will change your life forever. You will never be the same again. You will have within that group an instant accountability, somebody who's looking out for you, somebody who knows you're not there. You'll have somebody there who will pray for you. In fact, you'll have a group of people who will be there to pray for you. And if something should happen, God forbid, that you're in the hospital, your small group would be there to care for you. If something should happen where you're sick, your small group would be there bringing you chicken soup. Or borscht, if you're Ukrainian. Or whatever it is. Or spaghetti, if you're Italian. But they'll be there for you. To meet your needs, to help you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 46, something very revolutionary happened after the Holy Spirit came and after the church was born. It says that they worshipped together regularly at the temple each day. And look at this. And met in small groups, in homes, Acts 2, 46. The mark of a believer, somebody who follows Christ and believes Christ, is that he gets on board with God's plan, God's way of strengthening you. Now, some of you, I don't know what your word is. Some of you, I do know what your word is, but I can tell you this. The thing that's going to help you is obviously praying, 
but it's going to be the help of the people in your life who will gather around you and help you achieve whatever it is that God's put in your heart. In my case, it's health. I can hardly wait for our small group to start meeting next Sunday night. Bob and Vicky are in that group. And I tell you, boy, do we have a good time when we're together. Laugh and laugh, eat and eat <laughs> and eat. I have a feeling now that they know what my word is, it'll be just eat, not eat and eat and eat. I know that they'll pray for me. I know that they're going to uh, be looking out for me. They'll be holding me accountable. And I'm excited about that. They'll be reminding me of what I need to do to stay strong and be strong. That's what a small group's about, plain and simple. You get together, you study the word of God, but you're strengthened in relationship. And this is what so many people don't understand about a small group. It's a place where you're going to be strengthened. So it's a place where you tell the people, hey, I need to help. I need help. But it's also a place where you say, I need to help. Hey, guys, I can help you. What, how can I help you? What do you need? You know what? When I was a, a young fellow, only about uh, 16 years of age, I would go to camp, summer camp, and some of you will relate to this. I'd go to summer camp, and, oh, God would show up in such a powerful way, and I'd rededicate my life to God, and I'm, you know, I'm... I stay behind in the chapel. I'm crying and praying. God, thank you for meeting with me. And I'm happy and rejoicing. And, and I, I think to myself, my life is going to change. I'm never going to be the same again. And when I get back to Winnipeg, I know that everything's going to be different. I get back to Winnipeg, and what, within two, three weeks, it's back to, back to the way it was. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've had that mountaintop experience. And then you go back to the real world. The next thing you know, you've lost your, your enthusiasm. You've lost your excitement. You're not as energetic and you're not on, as on fire for God as you were. And you think, well, what's happened to me and how can I get it back? So I went to the pastor. Uh, I believe it was Pastor Barber back then, Calvary Temple. And I said, Pastor, I, I, need, I need something more. I, this, you know, going to camp in the summertime is is wonderful, it's great, I wouldn't miss it for anything, but I need more. I need something for when I get home. And so I said, Pastor Barbara, can, can we have a, a Bible study group or something like that? And I thought it was a revolutionary idea. I thought nobody had ever thought of it before. Here it's in the Bible. So he said, Alan, I'm going to speak to somebody. We'll make that happen. And he did. He spoke to a man by the name of, um, uh, what's his name, Austin Bennett. And Austin came and he led the small group of young adults. And I'm going to tell you something. My life was changed from that, from that time on. Rather than, than the roller coaster ride, which is so many people's spiritual life, I began to be steady in my walk with God. Because in, that, in the context of that small group, there was accountability. I had people praying for me. And now Christianity was not just something that happened in the summertime. It something that happened every week. I needed help, and I needed to help. So what I began to do is I started to invite my friends, other kids my own age that I could see were struggling in their walk with God. I said, hey, you know what you need? You need to come with me to my small group. I didn't call it a small group back then. I just simply called it my Bible study group. Why don't you come to my Bible study group? It's going to be revolutionary to change your life. And guess what? 
It did. Every one of the young people that I knew that I invited to our small group, their lives were changed. And rather than that roller coaster ride, things leveled off and began to mature in their faith. And they are the ones that began to serve God in the Sunday school and the, the boys' programs, the girls' programs. They became the leaders. I'm going to tell you this today. You have the power, you have the potential to make a difference, not just in your own life by going to a small group, but by helping others, by helping others who are in need, by inviting them to come. Hey, you need to come to my small group, and you need to experience a great group of people that will love us and care for us and help us. Paul says to the believers in the city of Galatia, Galatians 6, verse 2, says this, Bear one another's burdens. How can we bear one another's burdens? How can we carry each other's burdens? How can we help each other with each other's burdens if we don't meet together? It's when we meet together that we can share with one another what it is that we're going through, what it is that we're struggling with. It's in that context of sharing that we're able to help each other. Otherwise, we just see each other on Sunday morning, wave at each other. Some of you, uh, I've... I haven't had a chance to talk to for some time, but we wave at each other and we go our separate ways, and that's the extent of the relationship. In the context of a small group, you're not just waving at each other. You're sharing together. You're talking together. You're praying together. You're pouring out your heart together, and you're helping each other. That, my friends, is true Christianity. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So here's the thing. Our Christianity becomes almost meaningless if we don't, what well, is actually meaningless, if we don't include this idea of loving each other. There's only one way that we can really love each other, and that's by meeting together on a regular basis, by connecting. Do you know that the early church was known for its love for each other? That's what we read in the early, in the, in the early years of the church, you know what people were doing? There'd be many people in need, and the church scratched their head, and they said, how can we meet the needs of the people in our church? And someone said, hey, I know what we can do. I've got lots of extra property that I don't need. How about I sell, sell those houses and then bring the money and, and, and give it to you, to the apostles, the pastor? And pastor, you could just distribute it. This is revolutionary. Nobody ever heard of such a thing. And that's what they did. And I'll tell you this, it got the attention of all of Jerusalem. Everybody heard about what the church was doing. And so next thing you know, people who were in need were having their needs met because somebody said, I need to help. I need to help those who are saying, I need help. So here's what I know, folks. You're either going to be in one camp or the other at at some point or another, but it's going to be back and forth. At some points, you're going to be in need, and at other points, you're going to be need to help. And so the church was born through helping one another. That's what small groups are all about. I want to tell you, when you begin to help people, it will have an incredible effect on you. It will tr- it'll change you forever. I really noticed this with the group that went to Costa Rica last summer. All these young people that were excited, we're going to Costa Rica, travel, going to be on an airplane. And it is exciting, you know, if you haven't 
I haven't had much time traveling on airplanes. It's an exciting thought. I get to be on an airplane until you start spending time traveling on airplanes, and it's like, oh, I have to be on an airplane. These kids were excited. And for six months, they spend time raising money and sacrificing and working and scratching it together and trying to get enough money together so that they could go and make a difference in Costa Rica. And they did. And when they got there, I can tell you this, it wasn't days on end at the beach. What they were doing is they were going to serve broken, hurting, and needy people. In fact, much of their time, that's exactly what they were doing. They were handing out those shoe boxes that we filled up with, with, uh, with toiletries and toys and whatever. And they came back, and here's what they were saying. They didn't say, well, I'm glad that's over with. They didn't say that. They didn't say, oh, well, you know what? I've done my duty, and I'm never doing that again. What they said? Every one of them said, I want to go back. I want to do it again. There was rain, there was discomfort, there was tremendous sacrifice, and yet every one of them said, I want to do it again. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. They experienced the joy of helping others. The Holy Spirit showed up, and they became vessels or tools in the hands of God to make a difference in this world. I'm going to tell you, The thing that makes people happy, especially young people, is not getting lots of stuff, but rather it's having the privilege of being able to help and serve others. Now, this goes contrary, I know, goes contrary to, you know, the the prevalent mindset of our culture that says the only way you're going to be happy is by getting stuff, by getting money, by being rich. But every single person who experiences the joy of helping others, they're the ones whose lives are transformed. And guess what? They experienced the Holy Spirit working in them, and even more than that, they began to recognize their own self-worth. Laura Turner, last September when we had our thank you night, her life was transformed, and she declared before everybody and her parents. I don't even know if her parents were aware she was going to say this. But she said, I'm going to be a missionary. Essentially what she's saying is, I'm going to go and lay down my life for broken and hurting and needy people. Now what would possess a teenager, a young person, to say, I want to go and lay down my life for people? I'll tell you, it's somebody who's learned the joy, the thrill of being used by God to make a difference in the lives of others. If you've never experienced that, then you need to get into a small group and say, how can I help? And watch what will happen in your life. Your life will instantly be changed. I can tell you this, in your small group, there'll be people who have a word and they've got a struggle, they've got an issue. There's something that they need, that they're working on and they need your help. And you show up to help and watch what happens to your own heart. I'll tell you this, the Bible says that We reap what we sow. And I know that those who help others will be helped by God himself. Now, how many people here today need the help of God? I know I do. You want the help of God? Don't just get on your knees and pray, folks. Get out and do what he says. And God tells you to get out there and help other people. And I'm going to tell you, as you help other people, make a difference in the lives of others, God will help you in incredible ways. You want to see a miracle in your life? And start doing what God says. And watch the miracles begin to flow. 
Has anybody ever heard of Captain America? He's somewhere in, I think he's in Hezekiah 3, verse <laughs> 5 or 6. I don't know. Captain America. You know that saint? You know, if, you've ever, if you haven't seen the movie, let me just recap it. Um, here's a, here's a, a good-hearted fellow who's got a fantastic attitude, wants to serve, uh, but he's got a problem. He's that proverbial 95-pound weakling. We all know what they are. I haven't been a 95-pound weakling since I was six. <laughs> Great attitude, wants to serve in the, in the military, the American military. And of course, you know, he goes through a hard time and you can't do it and you're, you're useless, blah, 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 blah. You know the story. But somebody notices his good heart, notices his desire to, to make a difference. That's a lot of you here today. You want to make a difference. But quite frankly, you're a 95-pound weakling. You're struggling. You're having a hard time. This man, the scientist, recognizes this guy's great attitude and thinks, here's the perfect specimen for what I want to do. No. By the way, this is not a true story, so... <laughs> it's a great metaphor, though. So they take this 95-pound weakling, and they put him in a pod, you know, like a little cocoon, a capsule. And they close the door on him, and then, you know, it's all science fiction, folks. They start pumping in chemicals into his body and electricity's flowing. And you can see the, the, the control board lighting up and lights flashing and, you know, smoke. And it's just pure Hollywood, but fantastic. And it's exciting. And then you see him inside the pod. You know, of course, they've got the glass so you could see his face and he's shaking and, you know... It, you could tell something transformational is happening inside that pod. And inside the pod, he's shaking, and he's, you know, his face is contorted. And all of a sudden, boom, and powers off. And if I'm not getting the story exactly right, Adam, forgive me. <laughs> and the pod opens up, and out comes not a 95-pound weakling, but the perfect specimen of manhood. Great big muscles and phenomenal strength. A true superman. And then you know what happens from then. He goes on to become Captain America. And he does great things for his country. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart this morning. I don't have any chemicals or fancy uh, electrical conduits in the back that I can hook you up to, to turn you into a super person. But I do have a pod for you that you can get into that will transform you. It's called a small group. Now, for those of you who are scared to be in a small group, don't worry. There'll be no chemicals you have to drink. There'll be no Kool-Aid. <laughs> <clears throat> There'll be, you won't be hooked up to any power sources or anything like that. But it will be in the context of your small group, that pod, where you will begin to be strengthened in, in incredible ways. You will be literally transformed. 
but you have to get into the pod. Uh, you might be scared to, but can you, do you trust me? Do it and watch what will happen to you. Even as you have certain needs, the others in your group will have certain needs. And even as you're able to help others in your group that have special needs, guess what? They'll be able to help you with your special needs, whatever they are. I know everybody here today has got some special needs, something that they're struggling with, something that they need God's help with. There's not a person here today who can say, I got no, I got no problems, I got no difficulties, everything's perfect. I'm Jesus. Nobody, there's nobody that can say that here today. But I do know this, that God wants to strengthen you. He wants to transform you. He wants to change you. And he does it in the context of a small group. Now, here's what, here's what Jesus himself says. Jesus himself says, where two or more are gathered together in my name, I am there. Now, you stop and think about that for a moment. That's a very, very powerful promise and statement. And it's a guarantee. If two of you get together in the name of Jesus, Jesus was going to be there. He's going to show up. Oh, not physically. You won't be able to you know, reach out and touch him. But his presence will be there. And something supernatural begins to happen. The power of God shows up to begin his transformational work in your life. I know this today, that everybody here can experience that transformational power in their life if only they would be willing to say, I'm willing to get into the pod. I'm willing to get into the small group. I want to be strengthened. I want God to use my gifts. I want God to use my abilities. Those young people that went to Costa Rica, I mean, none of them were what you'd call, you know, superheroes with special powers. They were just a group of eager young people that wanted to make a difference. And they began to serve God and began to serve each other and God showed up in powerful ways. Are you open to what God wants to do in your life? Are you willing to say, God, hear my, use me? Are you willing to say, God, I am prepared to do what is very uncomfortable for me. I'm willing to get into a small group and become vulnerable. Folks, understand, you're not the only person being vulnerable in that group. Everybody else is. And you can make a difference in somebody's life, even as they make a difference in yours. We are called the body of Christ. And what you and I need to understand is that if, we, in fact, we are the body of Christ, then we need to function as the body of Christ. That means we need to show up to say, God, hear my, use me. God, I want to serve. We've got um, some little booklets in the back there that have got the names of some of the small groups that we've got going. Um, there's, it's basically a menu to satisfy your needs, whatever your needs may be. But I'm going to ask you at the end of the service to pick up one of these. And if you haven't signed up to be in a small group yet, fill in the form. If you're already in a small group, there's no, no need to sign up. But next week, we're going to begin a special series that deals with a small group and the power of that small group. 
And to kick off this special service next week, the special series, we're going to be having communion together. Now, communion is a celebration of the body of Christ. It's a celebration of us and what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I wanted to tell you this week, because I want you to come next week prepared and ready to participate in this very joyful and very thrilling communion service where we celebrate the body of Christ. And I want to tell you ahead of time, you don't need to be afraid of it. Don't need to be, if, you're, if you've never been part of that before, if you've never seen it before, if you're not a believer yet, then you, know, you just let it go by. You don't have to participate. You can watch. You can observe. But we want to celebrate Christ's body. We want to celebrate you being strengthened in Christ's body. That's what it's all about to nourish your spirit, to nourish your heart, your mind, so that you can find wholeness and find the help that God wants you to have. Would you stand with me, please? Before you leave this morning, we're going to invite you to sign up to be in a small group. The tables are in the back there. Stop by and do that. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, thank you for what you want to do in the hearts and the lives of your people. God, help us to get in the habit of saying, I need help. Help us to get into the habit of saying, I need to help. God, we confess to you that we are so, uh, so proud and we're so self-centered, so uh, lazy. But God, we want to be more than overcomers. We want to persevere. We know today, God, you're not an enabler You will not enable us in our bad habits. So God, even now, as we cry out to you for the help of your Holy Spirit, help us, Lord, to respond to the direction you give in your word, which is to get into fellowship with other believers so that we may be strengthened. God, we commit this service to you now, thanking you for the transformational work you want to do in our lives. Help us to get into a pod to be transformed. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said it? Tell someone beside you, get into a small group, please.